Hello and welcome to Salome's Writer Therapy, where you and your writing connect. In today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about the third key element of story, which is plot. I'm going to share how you can create a plot that is engaging, exciting and impactful for your reader, regardless of whether you are a plotter or a pantser. Also, be sure to check out the free workbook in the description, a simple guide to create a plot that will have your readers turning page after page. So grab your favorite beverage and a cozy spot and let's dive into today's episode. So what is your story's plot? The plot of a story is the sequence of events or actions that makes up the narrative. Essentially, it is the storyline or the structure of the story. Now, any story will have at least two storylines or plots, and that is internal and external. The internal plot is called the character arc, which we've discussed in our character episode last week. So if you haven't seen it, I have linked it in the description down below. The external plotline, also called the story arc, is everything that happens outside the character arc. Now, many stories have more than these two plotlines. And those other plot lines are called subplots. A subplot is a plot line that happens on the peripheral of the main external plot. The thing to remember with a subplot though is that even though it happens outside the main plot and the character arc, it still has to be connected to them in some way. The progress of the subplot or the subplots needs to be weaved into that of the main plot or character arc and the results of the subplots have to feed into the results of the main plot or the character arc, meaning it has to make the results of the main plot or the character arc possible. So if you add subplots, their resolutions have to lead to the resolution of either the main external plot or the character arc. They have to be connected. So how do you determine which is the main plot and which is the subplot. The easy way is to look at your chosen genre, which I discussed in the episode what you need to know before you start writing, which is also linked in the description below. And your main plot will be determined by that genre choice. For example, if you chose mystery or thriller as your genre, then your main plot will be a mystery or a thriller. But you might want to add a romantic relationship into your story as well, which will then be the subplot. If you chose romance as your genre, then the romantic relationship will be the main plot and you might add a mystery or adventure, fantasy elements or anything else as the subplot. So in summary, anything that happens inside your character, their change or growth or how they face their fears is the character arc or internal plot. Anything that happens outside of the character arc is the external plot and it is divided into either the main plot or subplots. Alright, so let's talk about plot structure. And here I want to remind you that all the plots in your story, whether the main plot, the subplots or the character arc, have to follow some sort of structure. Now, there are a lot of resources on the internet regarding what structure you should use for your story. Examples of these are the three-act structure, the four-act structure, five-act structure, the seven-point story structure, the hero's journey, the heroine's journey, the snowflake method, save the cat, be cheat, plot grid method, and a whole lot more. 
If you want me to make an episode of any of these structures, please leave a comment below. The thing with these different structures though, is they are all based on the same fundamental elements of the story arc. Some of these structures just zoom in on those elements and add further points of reference for the writer. The point is to make the writing as easy as possible for the writer. So to the pantsers out there who find these structures restrictive or formulaic and want to ignore them entirely, please reconsider. Now, before you get angry with me, I'm not trying to convert you into being a plotter, but let's just back it up a bit. I said before that these structures are all based on the same fundamental elements of a story arc. So let's look at that. To explain it, imagine a bell curve. Now at the start of the curve, the bottom left, you have the element called exposition. After the exposition, before the curve starts to rise, is the element called the inciting incident. Then the rising curve from the inciting incident to the top of the bell curve is the element called rising action. At the top of the curve is the element called the climax. Then the falling curve from the climax to the bottom right of the bell curve is the element called falling action. And lastly, at the bottom right or at the end of the curve, you have the element called the resolution. Now, if this sounds confusing, don't worry. All of this is also in the free workbook I've linked in the description below. But that at its core is the story arc or the structure of your story's plot. Now, let's look at these different elements. The exposition is the beginning of the story where the characters, setting, and basic background information are introduced. It provides the foundation for the rest of the narrative. The inciting incident is the event or situation that sets the story in motion, often by introducing a conflict or a problem that the main character must address. The rising action is the part of the plot that includes a series of events and complications that build tension and increase the central conflict. Characters may face obstacles, make important decisions, and develop further during this phase. The climax is the turning point of the story, where the main conflict reaches its peak. It is the most intense and dramatic moment, and it often leads to a significant change in the story's direction. Just keep in mind, this is not where the conflict is resolved completely, that happens in the resolution. After the climax, the story begins to wind down. This is the falling action. Loose ends are tied up and the characters may start to resolve their problems or conflicts. This is also where you resolve your subplots. This phase leads the story towards its conclusion. The resolution, also known as the denouement, is the final part of the plot where the story's main conflict is fully resolved. Questions are answered and the story offers a sense of closure. And for all your hardcore pantsers out there, this is all you need to know to get started. If you want more reference points than these six, I would suggest that you do some research on those structures I mentioned earlier. Just remember, they are all born from these fundamentals. These structures are simply different because there are different kinds of writers in the world. They expand on these fundamental elements in ways that might make it easier for you to get your story written. Some have a lot of additional reference points and others do not. It all depends on what you need as a writer or how much plotting you want or need to do to get started. 
In the free workbook I've created, you will also get a quick overview of some of these structures to show you their focus and the level of plotting required by each, so you can see at a glance which method might work best for you. The thing is, one method isn't better than the rest. They are just different interpretations of these fundamental elements. As long as you adhere to these elements with as much or as little expansion on them as you need, you will write a compelling story. Just a final note on structure, especially for those pantsers out there, you do not have to plan out all these elements before you start writing. As long as you keep them in mind, you can refine and revise in the editing phase. If you just have the exposition and the inciting incident, you can start writing, just as you can start writing if you only have the climax and the resolution. Now, it might be a bit more difficult to connect the dots, but nothing says you have to have it all figured out before you start writing. Okay, so let's look at your plot and your character. And here I'm referring to your main character or the protagonist. Now, for an engaging plot, you need it to be linked to your character. Now, what do I mean by that? If you remember in last week's episode on character, which I'll link below, I said the main thing to determine in your character is their fear. And from that, you can build a dynamic and realistic character. And now you need to infuse your plot with that character to weave them together that one doesn't exist without the other. Also, remember I said you can use those characters' fears in your external plot and that you will also use these events in your plot to facilitate the growth and development of your character arc? So this is where we'll explore that a bit more. So how do you create a plot by using your character's fears? Let me give you an example and then hopefully you will see what I mean. I recently read a fantasy novel where a character had such a fear of open spaces that he never went outside but stayed in the vaults of the castle he lived in. Now through the course of the story he met an adventurous character with whom he built a solid friendship and mutual respect. But this fear kept him from joining his friend on his adventures which he wanted to do because he wanted to spend time with his friend. The friend tried to help him overcome his fear by leading him outside and this process took months. He kept reaching a limit where his fear would pull him back into the vault. He would try and try over and over again until he finally made his way outside. Can you see how this is also like the character arc I talked about last week? It's an up and down battle. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. It's three steps forward and two steps back. Now back to the example. Just after his first successful outing at the climax of the story, the castle where he lived was destroyed in a conflict with a neighboring ruler. Now, he would have been destroyed along with his home if he hadn't overcome his fear of open spaces because he would have been stuck inside, right? So how did the author of the story use the character's fear of open spaces to create a plotline? Well, he needed the fear to be tested. So he introduced an adventurous character whom the first character would admire and want to spend time with. And he also created an event that would be the final test of the character overcoming his fear, which was the destruction of the castle. Now, he couldn't just destroy the castle for no reason, so he had to create a conflict that would support it with that neighboring ruler. Just keep in mind, this is one character fear with a very simple plotline. In the actual story, this wasn't even the main plot. 
I just used it as an example so you can get an idea of how you can create events and conflicts that intertwine with your character's fears. That is why, in the episodes on conflict and character, I suggested you make lists of possible fears and conflicts you can use throughout your story, and this is why. You want to create events in your story that test your character against their fears and to create conflict so that your story moves to a satisfying conclusion. Now, how do you use events in your plot to facilitate the growth or change in your character arc? You will use the same principle as with your character's fears, which I just talked about, but you will include events, other characters, or even setting pieces to make your character think to make them explore or challenge their views of the world and of themselves. This will lead them to that perspective shift required for lasting change at the end of their character arc. Now, before we go on, I just quickly want to talk about the state of your character throughout the story arc or the plot. What I mean is your character will behave differently towards the plot in different parts of the story. Let me explain. In the first half of your story, your character is usually reacting to the events of the plot. This does not mean that they aren't active. They are still actively chasing goals, but the goals are more often than not created to avoid their fears rather than achieving the solution. Let me put it in another way. The problem your character has to solve, the story goal or the story problem, has various possible solutions. Some might work, some might not some are easy, some are difficult. Now, in the first half of your story, your character will most likely choose goals that are the easiest, what they believe would solve the problem but allow them to avoid their fears. Remember, you want them to face their fears, so the right solution to your story problem is the one where they do that, right? It's the difficult choice because they have to change. But in that first half, your character won't want to do that difficult thing. Remember last week I talked about pain versus pain. This is where that principle comes in as well. The pain of facing their fear is still greater than the pain of possibly not solving the problem. Therefore, their first consideration in that first half of the story will always be to avoid their fear first and the solution comes second. And at this point, your character might even know what they need to do to solve the problem what the right solution is but they don't want to do it because it would mean they have to face their fears and it's your job as the author through that first half to push them to the right solution by letting them fail over and over again and with each failure hopefully they begin to learn so by the time they reach the second half of the story or the midpoint their perspective needs to shift Something happens at the midpoint that finally opens their eyes. Something that makes facing their fear the lesser of two evils. Again, think of that pain versus pain. This is where a lot of people say, make it personal or raise the stakes. Like, it's not just finding a random killer anymore, but now they've killed my partner, my wife or my brother. Or it's not just the city that's in danger of destruction, but the whole planet. Make it personal raise the stakes. But the key is at this point they realize they have to face their fear to solve the story problem. Now at this middle of the story it's still the first step but this time they are actively choosing goals that force them to face their fears and they won't get it right from the start and they shouldn't. 
they still have to fail. Remember that three steps forward, two steps back. But this is what makes the second half of your story different from the first. In the second half, your character actively works to overcome their fear in order to solve the story problem. Whereas in the first half, they try to avoid their fear while solving the problem. And it's that fear that's holding them back from the right solution. So let's talk about creating those events that lead to the solution to your story problem. Now, last week I introduced the concept of the GMC technique, goal, motivation, conflict, and I showed you how you can use it to create your character arc. So now let's look at the GMC in terms of your external plot or your story arc. First, let's look at goals. Most of the time, a story would have one big goal, like save the princess or destroy the space rock or get the happily ever after, catch the killer or whatever else you can think of. This is also called the central conflict or the story problem because it's the main or central thing your character has to accomplish and there is usually one main conflicting force standing in the character's way to achieving it known as the antagonist or the antagonistic force, if it's not a person. Now, taking our goal examples, here's what the antagonist or antagonistic force might be. So if your goal was to save the princess, then the enemy holding her captive is the antagonist. If the goal is to destroy the space rock, then the rock is the antagonistic force. To get the happily ever after, the relationship might be forbidden by their society, which will then make the society the antagonistic force. If the goal is to catch the killer, then the killer is the antagonist. Just remember, this is not the only goal and only conflict in your story. For your character to achieve this goal, there will be steps your character has to take, or information they have to gather, or clues they have to solve to reach that final goal. There are smaller goals your character has to accomplish, like the string of dominoes I talked about in last week's episode on character. And each of these smaller goals will have a motivation and a conflict or various conflicts attached to it, just as with the character arc. So how do you decide what that central goal should be? What your story problem or that central conflict needs to be? Here, you should look at two things, your story's genre and your character's fears. The genre of your story will in most cases give you a broad idea of the type of goals you can aim for. Like in a romance, the goal should be something related to the romantic relationship. And in a mystery, it would be related to solving a mystery, right? So this gives you a starting point. Now, if you look at your character's fears, you will hopefully get a sense of what the goal might be by thinking about what event or situation will force your character to interact with their fears. Now here's a quick trick. If you struggle to find the goal from the fear, then start with the conflict that you can introduce from the character's fears and create the goal from there. Here's an example of what I'm talking about and I'm keeping it really, really simple. So. Let's say you are writing a fantasy adventure and your character is afraid of heights. You might create a goal where they have to travel to the top of a mountain for a cure that would save their sister's life. Now, if you noticed, by creating a possible goal from the character's fear, which is finding the cure, 
I've automatically created both the motivation, which is saving their sister, and conflict. They have to travel to the top of the mountain for that goal. Now this is where the fun begins, because from this one goal, you can reverse engineer the smaller goals with their motivations and conflicts. Now, for example, you can introduce a goal that your character has to avoid or fight a tribe of cannibals who wants to eat your character, which will be the conflict, because they want to survive to reach the top of the mountain for the cure, which is the motivation. So can you see how just by determining this one goal, you can quite easily extrapolate the smaller goals with their motivations and conflicts that will lead to that main goal's resolution. Again, think of it as a string of dominoes. What do you need to happen to let this domino fall? Just a tip, the smaller goals and their conflicts don't always have to be rooted in the character's fear like the main goal and conflict, but it is great if they are. It is also great if you can explore different fears, flaws or wounds in these smaller goals. And if you decide to add subplots, you can just duplicate this process. Create the main goal for that subplot with its coinciding conflict and motivation and reverse engineer the smaller goals with their motivation and conflicts. And then you just have to weave the different plots together. Main plot, subplot and character arc. Now, if you want me to do an episode exactly on how you weave the different plots together, please leave a comment down below. Now, by creating events that are rooted in your character's fears and including conflicts that test your character against those fears, you can create a plot that is both exciting and engaging. And that is it for today's episode. Remember, plot is just one of the four key elements of story, so make sure you check out the other episodes on conflict and character, which is linked below. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing and getting notifications so you don't miss the upcoming episode on setting. And if you have a question or any suggestions on future episodes, don't hesitate to leave a comment below. Also remember to check out the free workbook in the description so you can create your own exciting and engaging plot. So until next time, may your creativity flow freely and your fingers dance upon the keys. Keep writing with joy and stay connected. Cheers.